1: Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, the podcast where we talk about the culture we love that society sometimes makes us feel bad about. My name is Caroline O'Donoghue and this podcast is hashtag spawn, hashtag gifted and I'm hashtag blessed to have it. Joining me is your Motivation Monday and your Woman Crush Wednesday, Louise O'Neill. Do you know it's so funny because I listen to the podcast
2: every week so I'm so used to you doing the intro. It's just really funny to
1: watch you do it in real life. Oh my God! It's come to it's come to life. The curtain is down <laughs> on my podcast <laughs> influencer live. I'm so excited about today because it's really you know generally on this podcast when people come or the, the subjects that I tend to approve mm-hmm. are things that I felt really passionately about maybe ten to fifteen years ago, mm-hmm. and I'm like, mm, yes, yum! I can't wait to talk about the Charlie's Angels movies from the noughties (laughs) and it's a fan fest. But the thing with influencer culture is that I... This is an anti-snobbery podcast Mm. and there are elements of me that still feel snobby about Mm -hmm. Mm influence-y-ness things. (laughs) Influencer culture. Um, But the thing about it is, is that I think influencers have now become so much a part of our lives and part of our digital lives that saying you hate influences is a bit like saying you hate pop music. It's mm. like, well, you can't hate all of it. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? There is obviously there's there's bad stuff and there's good stuff, and I think it's a it's a sort of a what do you? It's a job description. It's a cultural movement. What's your relationship to it?
2: You know, I mean, it's funny when you're saying like you know, ten to fifteen years ago, because I did a a masters in fashion buying um mm-hmm. in two thousand and nine, and and I think that was I mean, it was. You know, now I think it was like around twenty or thirty girls and uh, two gay guys, Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, it was obviously everyone's talking about clothes and everyone's talking about fashion. Um, And I suppose that was the first time that I started to get interested in like what style bloggers at the time. Right. So it would have been like Susie Lau um, and Tavi um, and Brian Boy, and you know, like people like that, um, and um, the Sartorialist. Sartorialist, so like that, I suppose, was the first time where it was this idea of, I suppose, like, I don't know, that I think that it was being broken down in a way, do you know, mm-hmm. and that it wasn't the magazines setting the agenda yeah. um, or it wasn't necessarily even the fashion industry um, setting the agenda, that it was people outside of that, normal people um, that I suppose the rest of us were kind of looking to for Inspiration, yeah, and and I, I suppose that was kind of before, like that was pre um, Instagram. And I, I mean, when when you talk about influencers, influencers on Instagram, like I mean, I'm obviously you know I'm from Ireland, um, as are you, um, and I think when uh, I suppose after asking for it came out in 2016, I had a lot of people following me who were mm-hmm. influencers, and I followed them back, mm-hmm. um, because I don't think it would have been something that might have interested me. Do you know, I don't think I would have gone out of my way to um, follow these people. Um, So, again, I I hope that doesn't sound kind of snobby, but it just maybe wasn't really my my vibe, if that makes sense. I think particularly in, in, I suppose, sometimes with with fashion in particular or with style, like a lot of the people who seem to be really popular on Instagram... Mm -hmm it's a little bit basic. Like it wouldn't really be something that I would, it's, it's funny, I try and be so kind and compassionate. I really, we, I mean, when we had breakfast together, you will, I think you will vouch you're for You're incredibly this. kind and compassionate uh, yeah, person. No. We're good friends. <laughs> you are a
1: lovely person.
2: Um, the comedian jo- uh, Joanne McNally always says to me, she's like, you know, the, the thing that's getting between us having, you know, like a proper friendship is just you're too nice. I'm, like, I'm not too nice. But then when it comes to fashion, I think it's obviously like the remnants of having worked in fashion, having worked at L, mm. I can get like real bitchy. I'm like, well, they're real
1: basic, you know? But I agree with you. Like, I know nothing about fashion, um, but like, you know, the odd time I'd be looking at these people who have, you know, 500,000, 1 million followers or whatever. I'm like, okay, you're um in high-end exercise gear yeah. and you have a blowout. Like, yeah, okay. And so we're kind of verging into this sort of snobbery thing again. And like, I so similar to you, your sort of first experience of it would have been fashion blogs yes and I definitely loved bloggers as well um, Hyperbole and a Half was the one that I loved and like Jenna Marbles who was Yes adored her like yeah. i it's so weird that I have watched the entire life cycle of her dog
0: yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> like, like I remember when she got Kermit the dog when he was and he was a young dog and now he is a very old dog <laughs> and that's very rewarding to me and um, they sort of influenced my kind of blogging or whatever but these people they had fans mm. and they were democratizing a space but yeah. it wasn't a um, it wasn't a like a a lifestyle or a job yet mm-hmm. in the way that we think of influences as having a very specific lifestyle mm. where I started getting involved and I think where my cynicism originated from was I was working in uh, advertising years ago and we I was on the social media team And we were like, it was a big agency and one of the things that the agency was proud of is that it was one of the first uh, agencies in London to have a dedicated social media team. It was quite a big team. It was 20 people. It was all women. Like Mm -hmm. Women were totally controlling that space. Women still control this space, Mm -hmm. which is something I find kind of cool and inspiring. Mm -hmm. Um, And within that team, one day, when I was about two years into the job and when I was really bottoming out, when I was like, I thought... I came to London to be a writer. Yeah. I've ended up with this job writing for social media brands, like writing for like Wall's Ice Cream on Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I thought I could be happy with that. But it turns out, and pe- people will often find this in their early 20s, where they have a dream job and they find an approximation of that job mm-hmm. that sort of, that, that pays okay and is sort of... um adjacent to the thing they want to do, that they think it will make them happy. But actually, it mostly makes you more miserable. You would actually be better off, you know, working in retail or something and then actually pursuing your passions with your whole mind and heart in the evening, in my opinion.
2: yeah. I think Julia Cameron calls that shadow artists.
1: Shadow artistry, yes. Yes. You know, the people
2: who, you know, want to be, and then they kind of find jobs, as you said, that are sort of adjacent to it, whether that's maybe being an agent or you know like which yeah. I'm not saying that all agents are frustrated writers or or frustrated no. actors or whatever but or copywriting or, or and and it's that sense of you're you're I'm using enough. the muscle
1: that I that I want to use but yeah. maybe not in the right way and I yeah. think for me for the first couple of years it worked and then after a while I just got Mm. really resentful Mm. and had no energy in the evening to pursue the writing that I actually wanted to write and all that. But anyway, I bring this up because during that very cynical, quite sad time where I was disillusioned with it. Uh, we started an influencer team within our social media team okay. it was the era of zoella it was yes. like we we would go into every client pitch with a huge slide of zoella and be like, and and we would be like let let me explain who zoella is would be that thing and 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 we were young women and we were we were we were there to sell to clients the value of this new culture which was influencer culture and what that you did a great job. We did a great job, <laughs> and I was responsible. No. And there was, you know, there was millions of other uh, identical meetings happening all over the world. And that's the thing with influencers is that influencers need brand to, brands to survive, and now brands also need influencers yeah. to survive. Yeah, because we had gone through the gamut of brands tweeting as themselves, trying to be likable. Yeah, uncanny valley, disgusting, and weird. Mm. Um, targeted advertising on social media. Fine, and it gets the product in your head, but doesn't make you trust the thing, right? Yeah. So influencers, celebrities, obviously way too fucking expensive, but influencers created this wonderful, yeah, this wonderful tool for yeah. advertising, and right? I think that
2: makes sense because, you know, like if I, as you said, if I open up a magazine and uh, I'm trying to think of someone, like you know, I don't know, Gwyneth Paltrow. Let's say back in the day mm-hmm. is advertising. Um, or she's the face of. Revlon lipstick and I'm like okay well that looks amazing on uh, Gwyneth Paltrow but yeah. if my best friend um, or if my mother says you know what well, I've used this cleanser or I've used this um, lipstick or I've bought this book and I really loved it yeah. like that I'm like oh well I okay I really value that you know like I will take that seriously and I will go buy that and I suppose that was what influencers were an extension of like people who seemed you know who were like just like us yeah. and, and I suppose at the beginning were um, I think even more honest than maybe they are now, because there wasn't the same, I suppose, expectation from that um, relationship that they had with brands. So they yeah. could really be like, "This is great. This is not great," um, and the people that were following them, I think, just really trusted their opinion. Yeah,
1: and that's that is kind of the nucleus of all yeah. influencer things. Is trust right? Yeah. And when, when you get the word like trust, when that's at the centre of it, then the kind of the spider diagram of words around that is authentic, yeah. real, you know, um, genuine is a word yes. that comes up a lot. Uh, yes. I asked my Instagram. <laughs> See, this is the thing. This is actually the interesting <laughs> that just thing. Just made me laugh. I'm sorry, it was just so like. Yeah, I, I you know put a poll out for my Instagram Hi followers. <laughs> 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 but I do want to get to that as well, because there's no really way of having this conversation mm. as two people who have like circa 30,000 followers on Instagram mm-hmm. without being a little meta. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I know. I mean, yeah, It's. In- I mean, I think
2: for me, like, I definitely think people trust if I post about a book in particular. Yeah. Like, I will really see that where, where if I'm like, I really loved this book, yeah. that there will be a lot of people in my DMs going... I'm going to buy that book, you know, I, yeah, I I've yeah. bought, I just downloaded that onto my Kindle or, you know, whatever. And I would love it if more brands
1: want to send me things. <laughs> I
2: keep going, you know, when you
1: see... Brands like, definitely uh, do send you things. Oh,
2: I, honestly, not that much. I'm obviously not on um, uh, any PR list. And it's it's funny because, like, you know, my partner is a journalist um, in Ireland and he has, like, I don't know, like 145,000, you know, followers and obviously cannot accept... And would not accept mm-hmm. anything, and I'm very resentful of it. <laughs> I'm like
0: Richard, we could be getting
2: a free door for our house. <laughs> we could be getting a free holiday. He's like Louise, I'm a journalist, and I, I, you know, I like I, oh, I like God. journalistic ethics. Um, yeah. But from from my perspective, I suppose it's that sense of and I, and it's funny. Whenever now I post about something that I do like, I'll often see myself adding this is not an ad. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I yeah. paid for this. And like, there's something so funny about it. And then I saw someone who I noticed, like, just a, a, a friend, you know, who had, I'd say, around 300, fo- I mean, genuinely 300 mm. followers posting about a, um, oh, I can't even remember now, something that she was really enjoying. And she said, this isn't an ad. I just really liked it. And I felt like going... I, I wouldn't have thought it was that.
1: It's like, babe, you have six hundred and twelve followers. <laughs> no, it was three hundred. It was less. You know, it's like,
2: no, no, you're 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 fine. Um, yeah. So how do you? That's quite sweet. I know. And how do you how do you navigate that? Okay. So this is
1: this is a weird conversation to have with with the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, but I'm interested in it, and I hope they will be too, because sort of prior to sentimental in the city. I had like 6,000 followers on Instagram and maybe 16,000 on Twitter. I was, I, 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 But that was like a cumulative thing. I'd been a journalist for a long time. I'm definitely a person that's like, I've never been like a personal life person, but it's like, here's my little joke. Yeah. Off into the ether you go kind of thing. Or here's my opinion or something. Um, and I had been peeling off Twitter and Twitter sort of, when you don't use it for a while, you, you don't. It it doesn't really. Um, when you tweet, isn't really gets the same same kind of numbers or whatever. It's that's the sort of game of Twitter. Or maybe people just lost fucking interest. I was tweeting less, but anyway, then "Sentimental in the City" happened, and obviously lots of people listen to that. Like it's changed. It changed a lot of things about my life mm. in, a, in a really fucking positive way. Like for mm. the first time, like people oh, coming up to me though. on the street.
0: Hmm? Yeah, it
1: was just so wonderful. <laughs> I felt
2: like I kept sending Caroline like these really long voice messages, like just being like, I just listened and this, I feel this. And I think you were like, oh my God, please stop it. I can't have this with
1: every episode. <laughs> no, it was lovely. It was gorgeous. And like a huge mass of new people following me. Mm. Um people coming up to me in the streets like yeah. really lovely and uh you know and like also just m- to be cynical money do you know yeah. what I mean this this podcast never made money before that yeah. now it makes like sig- like a significant yeah. amount of money it'll probably be the difference between me buying a house in 2 years versus me yeah. buying a house in 5 you know yeah. um
2: can I just say though
1: that's not cynical
2: and actually, I think we should circle back to yeah. money and that kind of, you know, how that plays out in the influencer sphere. Because, like, we all need to pay our yeah. bills. We all need to pay our rent. We all need to pay our mortgage. Like, it's okay to want to make money
1: out of, yeah. like,
2: your work, you know?
1: Yeah, and this, you know, this podcast is, is a lot of work. Like, yeah. booking guests, doing research, blah, 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 blah. It's a lot of time. I'm fine to be making money for it. But there was this difference in... um first of all, how many people were were talking to me and, and also how they were talking to me. Mm. And I could feel myself getting a little sick. Mm. Um, and it's not it's not because of anything any one person said, but it's more the cumulative sense of attention. Um, there was this sense of like, uh, people complimenting me for things that, I hadn't worked for, which felt weird. Like, mm. I love your friendship was a was a is <laughs> a weird. Like, it's nice, yeah. but it's a weird compliment. Yeah. Um. And like asking me where I got things that like feel like very basic, like a white vest that I'm wearing. <laughs> it's like, it's like it's a vest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, it's, it's very hard to talk about this. But I'm feeling awkward. And then there was this, also this thing of like people had gotten really invested in this friendship that I had with Dolly, and they. Like it's that meme of podcasting, right? Where you know the the someone next to a picture of two people on the radio, like and them talking along kind of thing. It's like people thinking they're in the conversation, yeah, Um, and then talking to me in the same way that I would talk to Dolly, which would be sort of like cheeky, irreverent fun, intimate, and then they're bringing that to me and it feels quite weird. Yes, but I suppose that's like,
2: you know, the parasocial relationship, which is at the heart of influencer culture, is that because these people seem like, just like you or me, you know, that there's not that remove that there would have been with... um, Incredibly famous, or incredibly, um, you know, beautiful, or incredibly sort of gifted. Like not saying that you're not any of those things, you know.
1: <laughs> but like, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Excuse me, I'm beautiful.
2: I, I give it. <laughs> well, you are, of course. But you know, like I'm talking, like you know, like Angelina Jolie. You're not. Yeah. Like, she's not like the girl next door, you know. Yeah. And and I suppose, yeah, it's that sense of that. It, it, and I think with influencers, like again, you know, I suppose that they've been able to monetize their ability to be open and be charming and sort of you know be authentic um even though i think that the 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 mere action of sort of holding a phone up to your face for all of us yeah. and speaking into the phone into the phone means that you're performing like whatever yeah. you're if you're sad or if you're if you're happy or whatever you're doing like you're performing that and i think there's a performance of um of authenticity as well um but i suppose like in order to do that in order to make money from this job you have to let people in like you yeah. kind of have to let them into your home you have to let them into your family um, you have to let them into your wardrobe you know like whatever I suppose um, the sphere in which you're kind of um, influencing in um, and I think often that parasocial relationship can feel as if they number one owe you, or sorry, know you but number two is if you owe them something or that yeah. they're that that and I'm not talking from personal experience but I'm talking you know from but You what, kind what, of
1: you sort of are.
2: Well but not it's not to the same extent. Like, you know, I don't think anyone really feels entitled to know what my house looks like or like yeah. you know like what um I had for breakfast or what I how much I spent on a pair of shoes or you know whatever. Whereas I think if that's your job, mm-hmm. like I do think that like and I think that's really tough because you have to make your life becomes content um and we all have a little bit of that i think you know when you when you go somewhere beautiful and you're like oh i'd love to take a photo of this for instagram mm-hmm. or you know whatever but i think if that's your job it becomes very difficult to continually mine your own life for content but also i think having to deal with people that as i said feel entitled to like a part of you or a part of your privacy and like how do you set up like how do you have any kind of boundaries when these people are are essentially kind of paying your wages yeah do you know and like, it's funny because like I grew up in a really small town as you know and like my parents owned a butcher shop and I remember um, this woman once saying to me she was like you know I'll be paying for your college fees and I, I was really taken aback by oh, that, wow. you know, like this just customer, Someone in the town. Yeah, right, just someone right. who was like a good customer. And I think when you're brought up with that attitude of like the customer is always right and you have to be very polite and you're like the customer. Yeah. And, like, and there was a real appreciation of, yes, these customers are paying for my shoes. And they're, they're also paying, our neighbours. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But, like, but they were literally like when they when they bought stuff in the shop, they were paying for my shoes, they were paying for my school books, you know. I, but wow. I think to be reminded of that in a way felt so confronting. And I think when I look at influencers, that kind of is what... Is at the oh, back that's of my so mind. so interesting. God. Yeah. So it's just hard. I think, like, how do you? You have to be polite. Yeah. Like, even if someone is saying something, you're like, okay, great, because I think it's like you're you're making money off that engagement. So yeah. how do you set up those boundaries of this is making me uncomfortable? You're 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 invading my privacy here. You know.
1: So this is it. So, so to go back to the sort of the sudden influx of followers kind of thing, I think being being sort of thirty one, thirty two. And having lots of people that I know really well, like you, like Dolly, um, like my friend Ella, who had been through it already, mm-hmm. and I'd watched how it can make you a bit ill yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So like, if you don't mind me talking about this of a course. little bit. Um, so a few years ago, you brought out a book called Asking For It, mm-hmm. and it was about a rape in a small town. Mm-hmm. And... It, it performed extremely well. People really loved it. And it was also one of these things where it's like a conversation that was happening and now there was a piece of art that represented it in a really complicated and wonderful way and a way that like really like changed things and helped create this sort of tipping point into like we are all talking about this. Mm. And because it's something that you feel very passionately about, because you're a very... Uh, you know you're a brilliant, passionate speaker because you're a young woman because you're a person who, like, if you don't mind me saying, looks great and wears cool clothes. <laughs> you became some like, a, like somebody who was willing to talk a lot mm. to a lot of people mm. about your beliefs on Twitter and to the press, and this made you like very famous. Mm. And then people were really awful to you. Not everyone, obviously, but there was a contingent of people who were fucking awful to you. And then you became another representation of the phrase asking for it. Yeah. Which was Uh, very fucking ironic. Do you know,
2: my dad was the first person in my family to read asking for it. um, And I was a little bit worried because, you know, he was sort of a football star and like, you know, I had grown up in this small town. And I thought, God, this book is sort of a damning indictment of a lot of those things. And I, rem- I remember he came to me after he'd read it and I said, oh, you know, what did you think? And he said, Louise, it's just, it's so powerful. And I said, oh, I said, I'm so, I'm, you know, delighted. And he said, but I hope you're ready. And I said, yeah. what, what do you mean? And he said, well, there's going to be a lot of people who read this book and some of them will realise they've been raped and other people will realise that they've raped someone. And those people will not want to have had that realisation and you will be the messenger. And oh, I was really fuck. like going, OK, but, you know, I don't think you can kind of take that on board. And then, when I, this was, as you said, it, it it just came at the right time and it was just before me too. And I think, uh, you know, people were ready to have this conversation. And I think asking for it like felt like kind of a a good vehicle to do that. And then it, it started a little bit online. And then I would get a lot of messages from people saying, I don't know if you see what people are saying about you on Reddit. Or I don't know if you've yeah. seen what people are saying about you on this particular board. I think there was like three of them. They were like, I think you should get legal representation. Like, this is bad. Um, And I never looked, ever, because I felt like if I saw it, I would never be able to unsee it. Mm. But when my partner and I first started dating, um, I think one of his friends sent him something. Um, I think it was a line, like, maybe I shouldn't say it. But anyway, it was just something really just so vile. And I was really shaken by what, you know, mm. just sort of the implications about about my partner and about me. And, and he didn't really care, but I thought, you know, if this had been someone, I mean, he works, you know, as I said, he's a journalist so he works in the media, but I thought, God, if this had been someone who wasn't working in the media, they yeah. could have been really frightened off by this, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and it, a lot of the time it made me feel incredibly unsafe. Um, and like I moved, I've been living in Dublin and I moved back home and and I... I think like even with my friends, like I just kept everything so much smaller. Like I just really and you and, and you closed up shop online. Yeah. Like yeah. you
1: deleted Twitter, Facebook yeah. gone. Yeah, you were like an email only person. Yeah, well, I mean, Facebook. I mean, like I'm not sixty, so like, yeah. you know, like <laughs> I mean, but it was Facebook six years ago when <laughs> it's,
2: there was still something. I know <laughs> it was a heartbeat at least. Um, and like my, you know, R- um, Richard like does my um, uh, Twitter now. Um, and I think I suppose it's it's because he's like you know there's I don't know thirty four thousand or whatever um mm-hmm. thousand followers like small but like he was like you know it's still people you know that you'll let them know the new book is coming out and you know all of these things Um, and um, I'm on Instagram but I think I I never found Instagram quite as um, compelling but actually I suppose in analysing my own relationship with social media I think I found it like I realised how addictive it is Mm. Um, and that even when it was bad like it's funny. I mean, I I have had an eating disorder, and in a lot of ways, it sort of aligned very closely with that experience of, this is bad for me, and I hate it, but I can't stop. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that was like you know that kind of experience of social media w- felt very similar to that. And when I sort of took a break from it, and had these terrible cravings to go back on, and you know, to be on my phone. Um, which, you know, subsided, but it took a bit of time. And then I thought, and then I think it just opened up. You know, I went to Thailand um, with my mother. Um, my uncle lives there, so we were going to visit him. We just had this amazing time and I felt like I don't need to take any photos. Mm. I can just be present. And I think I kept thinking about influencers. Like I yeah. just was thinking, God, imagine not being able to go away for a weekend And just put your phone in a drawer and just be able to be present and Mm. really just like enjoy it. Like the pressure of constantly thinking, well, what's the best photo and where's the best angle to take this and what will get the most engagement? And I think it's exhausting.
1: I think the biggest mistake people make about influencer culture is that it's money for nothing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if you've, you know, first of all, living in London, you see influencer shit just happening on the daily. Mm. Like you're walking down the street and you see, Someone taking a million photographs at like a a cute doorway kind of thing, you know, right? And that's like the lowest tier and like they're getting their boyfriend to take the picture again and again and again and again. And like there's something kind of sweet about that almost. Um, But then like you go in next tier up. Like I've been on like press trips for things where I was writing about the holiday and I've been the other person on the press trip will be an influencer. And the amount of work they're putting into every single part of that day to make sure that every part of the day, like I'm taking notes and being like, OK, I'm this, I'm at this village and we're doing this and I'm running down my phone. But then I'm just, just kind of fucking sitting back and waiting to see what happens to make sure that every single part of that day has a moment that can then be distributed later. Is a huge amount of work, mm. like the the their luggage, like the fact that they have to they have to make four days look like two weeks, yeah, and they take so like so many outfit changes yeah. and that kind of stuff. Like I was I was recently at this uh, event, I was like hired to be there. I was like a it was like a big launch where they had like other authors there as well and I saw this 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 girl and she was probably the most beautiful girl I've ever seen <laughs> in real life and she was in this like rented dress um, and it was kind of like a cosplay element to this dress like a princess dress and there was I watched her her person either her boyfriend or her representative or her assistant or whatever take this these TikToks of her spinning around and around in circles mm, and I watched her go God. around and around and stop for a break and around and around and stop and around yeah. and around and I was like how can you see? Yeah. <laughs> you can like like it's such like the, the idea that this is a job that is easy mm. is, uh, is ridiculous to me. It's like incredibly tedious yes. actually.
2: Yes. And I think look you and I are both writers um, and I think often you know, particularly at the beginning of your career you know you're 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 asked to, and i think anyone who works in the, a creative field will will recognize this that like you're asked to work for no money or you're asked to you know it's for exposure or you know mm-hmm. or you there there's no there's no budget for a fee anyway and i think it's sort of linked to this idea that if you have a job that seems Easy, or if you have a job that, like, I suppose that you're doing something that you're naturally good at, or you're, you know, that, um, or you're doing something that you enjoy, or that other people would like to do this job as well, there is a sense of, oh, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be paid for that. Um, and I do think when it comes, um, to money, I do think that, and I suppose all of the freebies and, and I suppose the lifestyle that comes along with being an influencer, I do think there's kind of a resentment and almost a, well, why haven't I, you know, or why aren't I, that's very Irish, why haven't I, um, <laughs> why aren't I getting, um, you know, why aren't I getting this bag or why aren't I getting, you know, this, this makeup and, um, and I think it breeds this resentment. But the, the thing is, is that... It, <sighs> the reason why is that there are there are certain people who have built this huge audience Mm -hmm. is because they're good at it Um, and you know you really see that um, with people like I know even at home there's this influencer called um, James Caffina Oh yeah and and he's just really good at what he does like he's really funny and he puts you know like he's very I think he worked in marketing before so you know his ad campaigns are just very very funny and it's like not everybody can do that or not everybody I suppose even is very beautiful and very tall and wears clothes really well or um and I think it's just this it's just this anger that sort of um surrounds it and you you know particularly with something like you know tattle life or mm. and i I suppose. I suppose the thing is is that, of course, there should be space for legitimate criticism. Of course there should be. And, you know, particularly if people are not obeying, you know, the advertising laws. Yes, like they're not which nominally or, you know, is whatever. supposed to be what
1: Title Life is um, supposed to be about, right? About, yeah. like, identifying those who are not having, like, yeah. clear or ethical standards and practices within their sponsorship deals. Well, it actually is a fucking cesspit of just incredibly mean shit about yeah. people who are just trying to...
2: But isn't it interesting that, you know, I suppose... When you think about influencers, and even when we were talking earlier about the snobbery and mm-hmm. like this whole podcast is about reclaiming things that have been dismissed because they've been seen as sort of traditionally female. Mm-hmm. And I often think that like jobs where where women earn more than men or women are more successful than yeah. men, you know, like whether that's modeling um, or, I mean, so sex work or like... Um, you know, even I suppose I take something like commercial women's fiction. Mm. Do you know the way? Like, I mean, that sells in some million... You know what I mean? It just like yeah. it, it just makes so much money and 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 sells so much that it has just been dismissed as as silly and and trivial um, and superficial. And I think because so many of the people in this space who are making and um, the most money and who are the most successful are women there is that kind of snobbishness you know, um, attached to it and I suppose, but then it is interesting when you think of something like Tattle Life because Most of the people who are on there as well are women, too. It's
1: like, this thing, women have created this industry and they've also destroyed the people within it, kind of thing. Yeah. Like, and I I think what's so interesting, we've talked a lot about the influencers themselves, but we haven't talked about the instinct to follow, watch, Mm. and eventually destroy them. Um, As I said earlier, I asked my followers, (laughs) (laughs) I asked my followers, Sort of uh, traditional influences that they loved and why they loved them, mm. and I got so many responses and uh, a huge like diversity of people, right? And like there was definitely levels within within it of like there was definitely like what I would say is the completely easy mode, not worrying at all, which is um, people who are. What I find very interesting, in a life stage that you are either preparing for or are new to mm. like so um people who who wanna have children or are pregnant yes. and they wanna and they don't have many maybe mothers in their lives Or they want to do motherhood in a different way, Mm. and they look at these people and they're like, okay, she's she's doing something different and new, and and like she looks like she really fucking enjoys and loves her kids, and like, or is is struggling, or is like, yeah, or or, is open about her struggling, yeah, Yeah, exactly. exactly. Or it could be that like you know, you want to, you know, you're heading towards buying your first house, and you want people who have like taken kind of shitty little houses and made them amazing for very little money. I mean, that's obviously very fucking satisfying. That's all I follow at the moment. Real like woman in her 30s. Yeah. All the interiors. Oh my God. (laughs) So great. And it's like, or there's like the experts within specific spaces. Yes. And these people are very interesting to me as well where they, they might not even have a ton of followers. It could be like 14,000 followers but mm-hmm. they're like they're gluten free and they're vegan and they're celiac yes. or something yes. or skin
2: care or you know things like that like, yeah. maybe, you know like if someone has a specific um,
1: I suppose I don't know, like acne or you know like anything like yeah, that or if they have acne because of polycystic ovaries yes. and they're dealing specifically with that yes very you know? niche yeah. yeah and it's um, and that to me feels very like healthy and normal and also exciting because it's like or whether it's like body positivity and all that kind of stuff where it's like oh um, our definitions of celebrity and of expert and of sub- of trusted individual was prior to this extremely narrow you know yeah. like magazines that are owned and run by enormous mm-hmm, corporations mm-hmm, where like you know mm-hmm. we've we've all seen any rom-com from the 90s like <laughs> we all know how a magazine works which is that it's totally big to like you know, advertisers and editors Absolutely. who have very traditional standards of beauty, designers who have traditional standards, like Absolutely The fact that like I've spoken to so many people who were like I just radically overhauled what I the images I look at every day. Yes. And now I don't hate my body. Yes. You know?
2: Yes. I totally agree. And I, I did an event with Bethany um Rutter um, last night. And you know, like following um fat women, you know, who mm-hmm. just like like love their bodies and like wear gorgeous clothes and, you know, like That I felt was just really, I mean, you know, they talk about fat um, liberation and obviously, you know, I'm not fat, but like I found it liberating. Do you know? Yeah. I I found it just really joyous, I think, to follow um, people like that. And I I suppose that is what I would say to people as well is like the whole concept of like a hate follow, I think, is a a terrible idea. Like follow people that you feel inspired by or you feel... I don't know, moved by, or you really enjoy, or you think they're really funny, or you love their, you know, whatever. I just think why invite the negativity into your life of just being like, I fucking hate this bitch.
1: So I think what happens with the negativity is it, it's interesting because like you, some people just do just fucking you're having you having a bitchy brunch with someone and they're like, did you see this fucking dose online? And I'm like, no, show me the dose online, and then I follow the dose and, and then. Um, I think that that obviously does happen, but I think what's actually more common is you follow someone that you're interested in, mm. maybe early in their journey. Mm. The journey is a big big word for influencers as well. <laughs> the journey, um, and then they kind of get get sort of famous in their space, mm. and you're sort of pleased for them. And then maybe their content, because they're getting more money from more brands. Yes it becomes more diluted by advertising mm-hmm. you feel like a separation from them or even a betrayal mm. and then the the bigger they get or the more distant that you feel their content has gone from the original content because Instagram doesn't know that that you're going through this emotional journey, you're still following them. Yeah, you know, so and they'll you'll still get shown their things, and so you're you're witnessing what you feel is like, oh, this girl I used to go to school with, and now in your in your mind and heart anyway, and now she's an asshole.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I think a lot of happens. people, I think we all have had that experience where you meet someone in real life and you're like, God, you've got a really annoying online persona, I know. but you're so, and I'm always like, I'm probably that person, you know, the way yeah. you're so like afraid, and, um, <laughs> but I think there is that. Sometimes there can feel and um, like that that I suppose that that disconnect. But then there are people that I just like. I'm not sure if you follow um uh Candice um is it Brathwaite? I'm not sure. Oh my god! I just yeah. like she is just. She's like amazing. she just brings so much happiness to my life she does like outfit of the day and she has the most amazing clothes and she loves colour and and they're always just like these you know like really bright um and just beautiful outfits I think every time I see her like oh there you go There's there you are little, little burst of Good happiness
1: there um, uh, in my morning and um, or Taryn Devere as well oh
2: yeah she's great who's
1: kind of what's brilliant about her is like she's one of those people who like I've been following for a long time because she did the odd funny tweet or TikTok or whatever and and then like watching her explode over lockdown because she was dressing like things in her house (laughs) like literally like a brick of butter yeah the creativity
2: was just um, incredible Um, and like I like to think you know it's funny I remember um, doing marketing at college as in part of my fashion buying course um, and uh, this the marketing uh, professor said something like, Oh, you know, I was talking to a man once and he said, Oh, I don't buy into advertising. Mm-hmm. And then he asked him, He said, What kind of car do you have? And he goes, oh, I have a Toyota. They're the best built cars in the world. And it was just <gasps> so funny oh, wow. the way, even when we think yeah. that we are completely immune to it, like this stuff does creep in. And like, I'm like, Oh, I'm not into influencers. But you know, when we met earlier and you said, I love your eye, I'm wearing <gasps> like lilac um, eyeliner, and you said, oh, I love your eyeliner is that Glisten? And I, and I, and I and said, then I yes. said, oh,
1: I've been, I've been hovering on buying that uh, Glisten products for a while and now I see it yes, and, and I'm th- going to buy it. And then you said, and then
2: I said, I was like, well, that's really funny because Louise McSherry, um, who is an Irish woman and is just really into uh, makeup, she was wearing it and yeah. I bought it because of her. <laughs> um And actually, she's probably a very good example of someone that I, like, I really trust. And I think when we come back to the trust element and when you're talking about, I suppose, someone like really exploding is that you have to, I think for influencers like the ones who are really good at it I think maintain that balance between mm-hmm. you know here are my kids here is my breakfast you know here's something and then here's an ad Yeah. and I think that you know sometimes if you follow someone and it's just like ad after ad after ad it's like and, and particularly if it's for things that feel completely odd and you're like there's no way that you use that yeah. or I find if an influencer is constantly shilling um, oh I, this is my favourite moisturiser and then two weeks later this is my favourite moisturiser and you're like well yeah. okay bitch which one is it you know <laughs> so like, i think. okay there- <laughs> bitch which one is it <laughs> but I think there has to be a level of like I, mean, I was going to say cop on which is so Irish but you know yeah. that like that people aren't idiots um, and you know that you they're like that we, of course we respect you know that you are well I suppose a lot of people respect that you know you, you know you have to make money and you're doing these ads but I think like, you know I think Molly May Haig, actually, which would be a good person to talk about as well, you know, from Love Island, was talking about the chip and offered a million pounds from a mm. brand. And she was like, but I would never wear those clothes. So she didn't take the deal. And I thought, you know, there's something very canny about that because you're, you're looking at your brand in a long term sense and you're mm. like, okay, you know, if I want people continuing to come back, and trust me yeah i can't sell them shit and like i used to work in retail and and you know it was fine somewhere like new york because there was such footfall that someone would come in and you're like well i'll never see them again so it doesn't matter but if you were working in like a, a boutique in a small town if you tell someone that something looks nice on them and they go home and show it to their partner or their, you know, their sister or their friend and, and, and they mm-hmm. say, that is the worst thing I've ever seen on you in my life. <laughs> like, they're not going to trust you and they're yeah. not going to come back in. So I think it is about building. Like, I love that I keep bringing it back to, like, my small town, like, life, <laughs> no, you but know. Like,
1: it's a great microcosm of of, like, of influence, right? Yeah. Because people are influenced by people in small towns. But it's also this reminder that, like, the tools are new, but the behavior is not yes,
2: exactly that. We are like we're social creatures.
1: Yeah,
2: um, I don't know. I mean, I just, I suppose it's funny because obviously, you know, like my my new book, um, Idol, deals a lot with uh, influencer culture, and like off, you know, like in the interviews, particularly if they're with kind of older men, mm-hmm. they're a bit like, God, influencer, terrible or anything. I, I, I always say, look, I'm not coming to this from a place of cynicism. Yeah, like, I'm actually looking at this and thinking. Like, this seems like a really difficult job. And, you know, we've we've talked about, I suppose, that sense of never
0: kind of being able to take a break from it. But I think also... Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalised card from Moonpig. Add your favourite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5.
2: when you know when we spoke there about like coming off twitter a big part of that was this exhaustion of constantly needing to have an opinion Yeah, you know like being like something terrible would happen in the world and instead of feeling like that i, I okay i just need to take a minute and do some reading and i don't really know as much about this mm-hmm. maybe as i know about this other subject but it felt like if i didn't like respond Immediately, with you know, like the kind of perfect response to this, yeah, that it was almost taken as well, you don't care. Um, and I've really seen that, like, you know, talking about Molly May, you know, she did that, um, interview where you know, she was saying basically, like, we all have the same 24 hours in the day, and people said, Yes, but you know, you're the, um, head of Pretty Little Thing or you're the creative director of Pretty Little Thing you can't say that you have the same 24 hours as someone who's basically working in like slave conditions or you know yeah. whatever um, in one of these factories and I thought that was a really valid conversation but I also thought like Molly May seems like a. I mean I watched that season of Love Island and she seemed lovely and she seems very canny and very you know like mm-hmm. like a great business brain but, like, not someone that I would be looking to for an incisive commentary yeah. on the class structure in Britain. And I think you see that with, like, influencers who have become, like, very popular because they are... have great taste in interiors or they have great personal style yeah suddenly having to deliver yes. an opinion it's like on what do you think of the you World know events, Israel yeah. the, I yeah. think they're probably like oh god you know and I do think that this sort of also I think and, and I, I suppose that's a double edged sword in that yes it's great when they can raise awareness because they have so many people listening to them and they have so many eyeballs on them
1: Yeah,
2: but I also think that like you this i suppose the idea that whatever they're doing online is the the extent of what they're thinking about or what they're you know talking about like you've no idea maybe they're making donations you know um that like yeah. you don't know and um, and i suppose it just feels like the expectations are. Maybe I'm being too generous, but like. But I think it's
1: interesting because, like, if we take something like the fire festival, right? Yeah. Which <laughs> oh is my like, I was, was so fucking funny, and I watched both documentaries, mm-hmm. and um, and like that that really showed that there's a real. It, it's so interesting that people do genuinely love these people, right? Mm-hmm. And like when I um, did that sort of poll online, there was people who came back to me talking about how how deeply they felt about these people that they follow and they know it's a little weird but like there was even one girl who I thought was so sweet she was like this this is the woman that she follows and has followed for years and she feels so attached to her that even when she goes on these really long boring talking to camera stories she puts the stories on mute and watches all of them just so she won't see that people have dropped off. That, I mean... Because <laughs> she was like, the idea of like, hurting her feelings is so sad to me. That is so I thought, sweet. I thought it was so nice. But uh, then on the other uh, side, there's the fire festival thing where yeah. it's like, oh, let's watch these, these fuckers burn kind of yeah, thing. And it's, yeah. it's um kind of gorgeous to us.
2: But I suppose if you're talking about the fire festival, like you know, it just reminded me of Kendall Jenner and I suppose you really can't talk about influencers without, without the, talking about the Kardashians. Yeah. You know, and I was, I was chatting to someone about this recently because I have never watched. And I mean, and I, I'm not saying this in a am oh, an intellectual. I mean, I just said I watched Love Island, so like it's like I, I just have never watched an episode of uh, the Kardashians. I don't follow any of them online. Yeah, yeah, no, nor I. I and, and again, yeah. that's not a, you know, it's a, a, some of the smartest women I know. Um, love the Kardashians, love housewives. It's it's not a judgment. But I, I was talking to someone. And I said, okay, so I don't follow them online. I um, I haven't watched anything, and I know everything about yeah. these women's lives. And I'm like, how? do I know this like their influence like you can see it everywhere you can see it in like they have completely changed i suppose like what body shape is popular they've completely changed i suppose the the way in which people think about um lip fillers or yeah. you know like um and a cosmetic surgery um it's 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 been like really fascinating. Like they have
1: yeah completely just changed everywhere. Culture. Like even on the way in here this morning, I was sort of researching and looking on my phone about the Kardashians for like kind of the first time because I'm the same. It's just like for some reason that breed of reality show never scooped me up in the same yeah. way other things have scooped me up. Yeah. You know, I've there's lots of trashy things I like. Just that's not one of them. Um, we're like apologizing for know, not watching it the just Kardashians. Sounds, but it just
2: sounds so. It almost sounds like you're trying to say like I'm better than yeah.
1: And I don't think I'm better than them. I don't
2: and I think the thing is what I find really fascinating about um, the Kardashians is that in a way they have profited like you know they have made the patriarchy work for them like I yeah. think that they are as much I suppose trapped in the system as everyone else but they have you know found a way to monetize it and I mean I'm not saying that's a good thing you know I'm I'm definitely not in you know shilling of dieties uh, yes and I think I think is is really um, is really harmful but I suppose I also f- find it. I think it can be kind of low lying fruit, you know. When people go after the Kardashians, I think it's like, well, they're kind of an easy um target. I mean, yeah,
1: it's it's a I I judge people more for going after the Kardashians. Yeah, really, because just because it's like a basic take, you know. Yes,
2: and I think there is that sense of being like, okay, a part of me does not like what the Kardashians are legitimizing. This kind of consumerism, this obsessive obsession with with wealth, um, with um, I suppose displaying that wealth with, you know, like and and it. Feels I mean, at the I suppose, particularly at this time, um, n- not just insensitive, but also like environmentally dangerous, you know. Yeah. And um, and so there's a part of that that I find like just a little bit grotesque, but I'm also like, I suppose it's their money, and you know, it's like, and their bodies, and and and, and they can and and they social medias and you know it's it's just I think trying to have like I don't think these people are the devil, but also I think that it is it is important I suppose to have a um a conversation about like I suppose their influence. It's as like well. it's just sort of
1: like proportionate responsibility, yes. right?
2: Yes. Yes, exactly. Like, I'm like they're not but but I suppose it is it is that thing where you're like okay they're not responsible for everything, but like the influence they have had, like you see this in like particularly like women online, and um, you know when you're when when I'm like you know the discover page, and and sometimes I'll go wow, like, because, like just the shape of you know like these tiny waists, and you know, obviously having had, yeah. um BBLs or you know whatever, and these tiny waists, and um and like you know really curving out into like you know a big, and it's just like, like that is amazing. Like there's only how many of them is there? But yeah, Six? even like.
1: <laughs> this is such a silly thing to say but like I feel like for a mm, hundred years the highest beauty standard was very white women with very blonde hair Yeah, and the Kardashians are half Armenian Yeah, and obviously they've had many accusations of like blackfishing and, mm-hmm. and trying mm-hmm. to obscure their ethnicity to yes. sort of appear biracial or whatever which
2: are very which, legitimate which are ve- very, very, very legitimate, legitimate critiques
1: yeah. Um. But it's kind of amazing how, like, very dark hair, very big arses, yeah. like, um, sort of, a, a, a deeper skin tone has, yeah. becau- has ch- like changed the beauty standards. And it's, like, changed it to something even more, or not even more, but just as restrictive.
2: Exactly. And just as impossible. And just as mean? impossible. As in, like, just but as the fact un- that it's shifted so
1: quickly yes. is fucking fascinating yes. to me. And that I- it's gone from, like, you know, Claudia Schiffer type Gwyneth yes. Paltrow's to people who look at like the Kardashians who always would have been beautiful but now it's like that's what every young that's woman wants to look of like yeah. and
2: like I remember a friend saying to me years ago about we were just talking about standards of beauty and particularly I suppose pertaining to weight mm-hmm. and she said you know what I always try and remember is that like in the 90s like really skinny eyebrows were yeah. like all the rage oh god I feel like Gen Z are getting into it I'm like guys they won't grow back please just leave your eyebrows alone <laughs> and then you know I think Cara Delevingne came and you know Know, like the, the very full the boy sort brow. of yeah. yeah, and it's just she's like I mean if it's that easy to ch- you know like if it's that um what's the word I'm looking for um, elastic I guess yes um yeah. you know it's like it's just sometimes in a way it's just easier to sort of reject all of it and be like well this is my body um, yeah. and I think when you look at the Kardashians like they have been such disruptors um, in this space but yeah it's it's I suppose you know it, it, sometimes when we're talking about this it can feel a bit like. Girl boss feminism or like white feminism, where it's like, oh well, if if women are are profiting from capitalism, then
1: Therefore that has feminism. to be a good thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and it's like, no, capitalism is hurting all of us. <laughs> but and at, actually, actually, at you know, the same time, I find it interesting, kind of adjacent to the fire festival thing. I remember during COVID. There was this whole thing about influencers who were going to Dubai mm. to um, yes to just ha- escape it essentially, and there was I think it was this morning where um, they had invited this influencer on. I can't remember if she was in the studio or via Zoom or whatever. They invited her on to talk about her trip to Dubai, and they and like they attacked her and yeah. and like yeah. F- it's the same. Well, yes, of course, it it deserves critique. But when I was actually looking at it, and people were going wild online, and um, because it's generally a very anodyne show, yeah. to them suddenly be so furious at this this young woman who had had made this choice, it was like, oh, but this. It feels like a kind of a Marie Antoinette situation. Of yeah. course, Marie Antoinette was sort of uh, a thoughtless and selfish leader, but she, this is also becoming a pressure valve for yes. the nation to release its tension on. And because the person is a young woman yes. who, albeit, has made a shit choice, it's a safe valve for us to dump our bile.
2: Exactly. And I think it's, it is it is interesting.
1: So we're talking about these women who are often working class, mm. who often like haven't gone to university or have the same standard of education as, say, a journalist or someone on who's working for This Morning has been sort of roped in mm. to this situation. Mm-hmm. Like it does does that feel like a classist thing to you? It does. And I think it's so
2: easy to attack that person or to make them look really vapid. Yeah. Um whereas actually, again when I keep coming back to this, like it is a skill set. Um and not everybody can do it. But I just it was again when I talk about low lying fruit, you know, mm-hmm. or low-hanging fruit, sorry, that's a, that's the that's the expression. It's like it's just I don't know. It just feels really gross the way that they, they can get attacked in this way, and um, and
1: because there's the thing the thing about influencers is that they have disrupted a space that was previously guarded by yes, by gatekeepers, right? Per- exactly. But the, and that's exciting because yes. it's like non normative body standards, like the more diversity of people, whether it's like you know disabled people people who are trans we're seeing more and more people get famous online and then disrupt old spaces and that's fucking exciting however because there are no gatekeepers it means there are no gates it means that if you attack some random girl who went to Dubai during quarantine who gives a fuck because it's not like she you know is part of a Old media machine yes. that will then isolate you. It's not like she works as Anna Wintour, and now yeah, Anna yes. Wintour won't send over any more celebrities. Yes. You know, yes,
2: and I think you know, like even when I was talking about earlier, about let's like, say Susie Lau or let like, the man repeller, or you know, like there was. I remember when I was working for a fashion magazine, like there was this conversation of almost like these upstarts, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, they were getting front row um, at the fashion shows and it's like, well, what about the, you know, the style director or the whatever on this magazine? And, and I, I, you know, I suppose we're coming back to that idea of like the democratisation of it. And I think that is exciting. And, you know, during the repeal referendum um, in Ireland, um, an incredible woman called Andrea Horan, who has a, a, a nail bar, Sharon, Ronan goes to the nail bar, like it's like all palm trees and, and leopard print. Um, and she started this, um, I think it was just on social media, but it was called The Hun Issues and um, and i it was just so brilliant and and when I was talking to her about it, she said that the reason why she set this up was that you know when when with the girls that were working in the salon and the girls that were coming into the salon that they often felt often felt very kind of alienated from people you know writing um i suppose maybe academics or or mm-hmm. you know the sort of middle class you know um college educated women writing their columns in in national newspapers, and mm-hmm. they felt like that wasn't connected to them or related to them, but they were still wanted to know about these issues and still wanted to talk about politics and still wanted to feel engaged and feel yeah. like they weren't being talked down to. Yeah. Um and um yeah so the Hun issues, um and I just thought it was such a just such a brilliant idea. And um, and I think that we all want to feel we all want to feel included. Like, you know, and sometimes in these spaces, whether that's politics or whether it's um beauty or whether it's fashion if you have felt excluded for one reason or another, like, it is really nice to feel as if you're kind of being welcomed into that. And I think that is what influencers do. I mean, the good
1: ones, you know, the good ones. The good ones, yeah. And I I think this is, like, such an interesting thing. It's quite obvious from this conversation that you and I have, like, a bunch of conflicting feelings about influencers between, like, being really stirred and moved by the idea that, like, unconventional people can can shake up very conventional value systems that have been the same for like over a hundred years of like yeah. magazines and studios and basically yeah. very small key players that are very elitist and very classist controlling all media spaces and that's being disruptive and that's fucking exciting and if you don't think it's exciting you're a moron. I Do you know, know what I mean? I know. While well, simultaneously then we have- being like we have all, we have all these things that we've just talked about and we have barely scratched the surface on things that are problematic. You know, yeah. and can I
2: just say one thing as yeah. well is even when you were talking about that, I just was going to say, yeah, but I suppose probably the most successful influencers yeah, are
1: rich white people. <laughs> yeah, or like very
2: tall and very thin. You know, the way like, you know, that there are people I suppose yeah. that are disrupting, but like,
1: you know. I, I, it, I Yes, of, of course. But also to counterpoint that, like most of these people, like say somebody who has sixty thousand followers and, you know, they have they have a, a non conventional beauty standard or voice or body or whatever for whatever reason, that can if they are smart, they can probably make a whole living off of that. Yes. It doesn't cost that much to run it's not a company, it's not them and five people. It doesn't cost that much to run one person's life. Yeah. And,
2: <laughs> you know? And what is it about, you know, what is it like this not discomfort. But often, yeah, maybe it is a discomfort with women making money. Like, sometimes it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, yes, Queen. Like, you know, what we see with the Kardashians. Yeah. But then sometimes, and like, you know, when I was talking about James Kavanaugh, um earlier, who's an Irish influencer, like he would very openly say that he gets like a tiny sort of proportion of the abuse or the, or the, I suppose, the trolling, let's say, that his um, female counterparts would mm-hmm. be. And, and there's a part of me that thinks, what is that about? Like, why is it that like a woman that we feel like is making money from this or who has, who's getting free, you know, handbags or or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, what is our discomfort with that? Is that like a really, like, is that quite a, bi- a big question?
1: It's a huge question because this is, and it's really easy to say, oh, the patriarchy it, it, and yeah. it poisons everything it touches and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Obviously that is the baseline issue of like all things but this is women mostly doing it to other women mm. and i obviously there's this there's a there's a jealousy element there's also a feeling that a woman with any kind of eyeball on her mm. if it's a lot of them yes. has to be held to a standard yes. that is just higher than any other standard that we yeah. do for men and is that because like literally through social evolution, we are still not used to paying attention to a lot of women at once. Yeah.
2: And even it's that thing of, you know, where studies have shown that if women talk like, you know, for 50% of the time in a meeting, then yeah. the men there will think that they've spoken for 90% yes. or, you know, whatever. And then if they speak for 25%, they think that it's been um, equal. And I, even when you were saying there about that idea of all these eyeball, all eyeballs on you, it's just such a... Because I mean, it's not the male gaze, obviously, but I suppose women have been brought up with that idea of like, yeah, of people watching us. You know that there are people looking at us, looking at our bodies, looking at, um, you know, our faces, and sort of making judgments about that. Like it is, I don't know. And I, I, I think there's a smart point there, and I'm just not getting at it. But I think there's we something also just interesting fucking, about
1: this. We just love a bit of drama. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like oh, is Caroline. is there anything like just more gorgeous than like, <laughs> like. And I can totally see how people get into it. like there being a little drama between two influencers online who used to be friends but now they're not. Oh my
2: god! Like the, do you know what's what? What I find, what I love about all of this, right? Is that yeah. there is this entire other world. Like I have uh, my first cousin who I Kira, who I absolutely adore, um, and she's nineteen. And like she's so funny because you know she'll be talking about like YouTubers and 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 makeup bloggers and I have no notion like even the oh, idea yeah. of celebrity has shifted so much like that they they're like who's Brad Pitt but it's like this TikToker or this you know YouTuber and when the um, oh Tati Westwood is it and and James
1: oh yeah still yeah. no fucking clear what that was yes, yeah you know, that, no like, idea that, that
2: drama and I for some reason got like really sucked into it and it was just yeah. so wonderful because I felt like really cool I was like oh my god what do you think of and she just like her whole face lit up and she was like oh my god have you heard about this I was like yes in my day we didn't have you know but I do think again that like the the way in which these um, influencers have completely um, like destabilised the idea of celebrity is also so so fascinating yeah
1: and cool yeah more of it but there's also I do think that like I remember a world where people used to go through Cher's trash and that would be like mm. the cover of every tabloid magazine by the kind
2: way of thing. So that sounds like you were around in like the 70s I know I know
1: but like I think I remember very clearly like there was this moment in the early 90s and for some reason I've just always been gravitated towards Cher like one day I'll do an episode on her but I think I have too many emotions um, but she went out with a way younger guy in in the 90s um i think he was in his 20s she was in her 50s or 40s uh, and he worked at a bagel shop uh-huh. and it was he was called the bagel boy and uh, <laughs> and people went to her trash and people wouldn't like leave her alone oh. and stuff and and like i think First of all, the big celebrities pay for better security now. But also, I think influencers almost act as a meat shield for real celebrity. Yes. In that, like... We need them. We, you know, influencers will give you the drama and they'll sell it to you and serve it to you and give it to you on a plate. So that means Meryl Streep is safe. Exactly.
2: And you know what? It's <laughs> funny because we had also been talking about doing and, um, you know, discussing royal, uh, uh, kind of royal gossip. Mm-hmm. And in a way, I think... Like the lower tier royalty, like you know, they're kind of do that for you know that 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 the uh, princess Anne, um, yeah, and I suppose what they wanted Harry and Meghan for as well was to act as a shield that they could kind of throw the less important royals under the bus, yes. in order to protect. The Williams, the Cates, the yes. you know, the Charles and stuff. So you're right there. I suppose there's a um, it's an ecosystem, yeah. and and you know that you need all kind of tiers, and that um, influencers have, I suppose, just created another buffer um, between us and between the the real you know quote unquote the real celebrities. So again, I think if you were talking to a Gen Zer,
1: <laughs> they would be like, "Well, I'm much more interested in Charlie D'Amelio than and, Street, and you you can, know? you can see that the sort of trickle down of that where there's like. What's so interesting is this is the first generation where being a movie star is a middle-aged profession. Yes. And then if you were
2: asking them, you know, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? That I think less would say, I want to be an actress or I want to be a model. But more would be like, I want to be an influencer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, there's this thing that goes viral every now and then where it's like a um, sort of a baby's first vlogging thing. It's sort of like like a plastic phone and a plastic tripod kind of thing. I also think that's fine. Yeah, like it's f- basically the panic about influencers. In some, to wrap up, is that it's this new thing that has, that has emerged within the last ten to fifteen years, and it's frightening for people because it's that that thing of like, oh, anyone can be famous. Therefore, yeah, the fifteen minutes of fame sort of come to come to life, right? Um, and that makes people very nervous. Because and but, but Do you ultimately, think it makes
2: them nervous because it and. Um, makes the concept of fame less special.
1: It makes fame less special and it also makes their own work seem more pointless or something. Because lots of people have jobs that they don't like, but they go to every day anyway. And to see somebody make money out of things that seem like leisure, I think it's infuriating.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I was just thinking there as well, you know, earlier when you were saying about are we influencers? And I just thought, well, I, I don't think, well, I'll speak for myself. I yeah, we aren't. That. No,
1: we're not. But we aren't, but we use things that influencers do no, to sell our no. work. Oh,
2: absolutely. But I suppose at the core of it is like, I'm like, well, if Instagram, I don't know, like if Instagram was shut down tomorrow, I have my books. And yeah. I suppose there's this not, not like fear, I'm not like, you know, lying awake at night. I can't sleep because yeah. I'm worried for influencers. But I suppose you do think, like, how long can this last? And Will they be able to sort of like what will the shift be, and will they be able to do that? Because I suppose if you are supporting your family, which a lot of these women are, which is incredible, yeah, like you know buying their homes, putting their kids, you know, through school, and you know paying their um, paying their bills from the money that they're making from Instagram. Mm. It's like, well, is that is that sustainable? And I don't know. You know, I don't have the the answer to Here, that.
1: Here's the thing. It's interesting when you when you have a couple of these people on your timeline and there's there was a shift I remember a while ago of like a lot of people posting things like Instagram is hiding my posts. Yeah. So if you would like to continue supporting me, please, you know, yeah. add this to collections, set, like favourite it, DM it, all this stuff. And it's quite, it's quite sad, it's quite sad to see. It's very like last dog of the pound energy. <laughs> but but I always want to sort of, uh, you say to those girls, it's like, and it is always girls, um, it's just your time at doing this is over mm. like the the thing with the with with the vast majority of these people who get very quick fame is that it goes very quickly yeah. and and that's kind of maybe how it should be maybe you were doing like a very specific trend very specific thing you had a very specific take on something mm. and it was popular and you made money for the season that it was available yeah. and popular and and on the verge of something and now that time has passed and that's actually fine and there's no shame in that. So you know, you were, you were like a star of the silent movies.
0: Yeah, <laughs> kind of.
2: And now the talkies are here. The and talkies you know, are here. You and either have
1: to adjust or
2: you're just <laughs> going to have to kind of fade
1: into. So I think, and I think like the vast majority of these people will make money for a couple of years and be like, you know, when they're in their 30s be like, oh yeah, sure, for a couple of years there. I went to fucking Sri Lanka for nothing. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. That was great crack. And most of them will like take lessons from it, move on with their life. Lives, maybe go into digital consulting or yeah. some kind of thing and be fine. I think a very small percent of them and I you know, have a lot of respect for them, they will leave the game with something. Mm. And I think that's very interesting. So there yeah. was this comedian, I mean, he's still around, but his Instagram account was The Fat Jewish. Do you remember this guy? Oh,
2: yes. There was a lot of accusations
1: of... Plagiarism and yeah. all of that. He was, yeah, he was sort of reposting a lot of comedy content yes. on his thing, and, and like, yes, accusations of plagiarism, but also in his defence, it's like it was kind of a new format, and I lots know, of people were I doing know, this. You
2: just be sharing things. And, yeah, the yeah. rules
1: weren't clear. Yeah, like he seems like a fairly self-aware person, but ultimately, I was watching an interview with him last night in preparation. He was doing a, hired to be at a lot of parties and noticed a gap in the market because he was around drinking culture so much that. Vodka and gin and spirits, all they all have brands associated with them, whether it's Grey Goose or Smirnoff. And red wines have things associated with them. And white wines have, like Sauvignon yeah. or whatever, have names associated with them. But nobody had taken that space for rosé yet. Oh. And he made a rosé called like a like white girl rosé.
2: Oh my God, I love
1: it. Yes! And it became the most photographed alcohol of that year. <laughs> and now he owns a wine company. And you see,
2: and then you think, like, that's someone who's a branding genius. You know, yeah, like, right? I think it's trying to be able to take that skill set um, and put it into uh, into something else. But yeah, I just hope they're investing, you know, that way of like... Yeah, yeah, I think that, your that is away. the one
1: percent of people yeah. who use this experience, look around, notice something, yes. take this money they're earning... Creating a business and yeah. then you're off to the races kind of thing. But yeah. it's a very small proportion. Yeah. I think most so of them will be in the first column. If there's
2: any influencers <laughs> listening, we're like, guys, <gasps> have, have a long term plan. Yeah.
1: But it's interesting. So we have to wrap up with there's yeah. So much to say. Um, I know. I
2: feel like we could be here for another hour. I
1: know. It's interesting when you see them try and pivot into like books and things. Mm. And it's like some of that will work, but most of it will be like, Lovely graphics. I know. And And some of
2: it, like um, this uh, woman, uh, a YouTuber called Melanie Murphy sent me her book. And I was so nervous before I read it um, because she's lovely and I kind of wanted to like it, you know. Yeah. And and from the very first page, I thought, oh no, this woman can write, you know. And, oh, thank and I God. really <laughs> enjoyed it. But I thought I really had to, I had to confront my own snobbery there. Yeah. That this assumption, just because she was a YouTuber, just because she's an influencer, that she wouldn't have any other abilities. That the only yeah. reason that she would have got a book deal was because she had a big following online. And I read it and I was like, no, if she submitted this book with, you know, with, 10 followers it would have yeah. been published you know yeah. and I think for me it was that moment of going you can't make those assumptions um, about people which I suppose we all do we like all, we all do. do with the people we follow and that's it
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um. so very pertinently, you've got a book out. called Idol. That's the number one book in Ireland oh, right now. Oh, thank
2: you. Number twelve in the UK. It was very exciting. Hello. So, I know. I'm like. I really just wanted to get into the. You know the way I'm just like. Do I just want to kind of push it up into the into the top
1: ten? <laughs> well, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> then, everyone guys, listening. Guys, to this. Might, but it is. It, it's such a brilliant book. It's my. It's oh, like you. you've written so many fucking fantastic books, and this is my favorite. Oh, thank you. Because it is this great satire of um, influencer culture Um. while also being it's very clear that you're not satirising it from a place of either judgement or ignorance because you could say oh anyone who written this book has watched a lot of these (laughs) i looked at a lot of these accounts hello my loves (laughs) hi guys it's so fantastic if like if people liked um, Holly Bourne's How Do You Like Me Now I would say this is like an intense kind of darker, <laughs> gone girly version of that yeah. kind of thing. Not not yeah. version of it, that's that's diminishing, but you know what I mean? Like uh that's I just it's I love publishing to do like a comp yeah you know, that know. Way, yeah like what's a comp what's it's a like comp? it's such a propulsive plot and but while uh, simultaneously just saying very interesting things about this culture that we've just been talking about oh, you
2: know thank you so much I loved it oh thank you I hope it continues to
1: do so well for you yeah
2: well yeah Samantha Miller who's the main character of Idol is this American um, wellness influencer so it was very fun I think to kind of um, explore that world so if you're into wellness or influencer <laughs> culture or sex power celebrity consent (laughs) all of those things this is the beach
1: read for you (laughs) gotta get it into the top 10 come on guys come on guys let's pull together come on followers (laughs) All right, Louise it's always a pleasure to talk to you oh Caroline just a joy you are such a joy
2: you're a joy (laughs) no you are
1: (laughs) this has been Sentimental Garbage and I've been Caroline O'Donoghue The podcast was produced and edited by me with mix and music by Harry Harris and artwork by Gavin Day. If you'd like to email me about the pod, you can do so on sentimentalpod at gmail.com or get in touch with me directly on Twitter or Instagram at ZaraLine.
0: Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig.